Hello, welcome to Channel 4 News, the only news that can keep you informed. January 26, 1972, is exactly the one-year anniversary of the sentencing of Charles Manson. For more on this, Valentina Rands. So, three years ago in 1969, housekeeper Winifred Chapman discovered blood and then bodies at 10050 Cielo Drive in Los Angeles. Five bodies were found in total at the residence. In addition to the gruesome sight, there was an American flag draped over the couch and the word pig written on the front door in Sharon Tate's blood, one of the victims. In the days after the murder, many theories were made as to what the murderer's motive was, such as being drug-related or them being a hired killer. Later on, another murder is discovered, and this time it had two victims, Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. Both were stabbed excessively in a way that resembled the Tate murders, and the words Helter Skelter and Rise were written in blood on the refrigerator. Although there are many connections to be made between the two murders, the cases were assigned to separate detectives who started to compete rather than collaborate, initially slowing down any breakthroughs with meaningful evidence. Soon, eventually, they were able to find uh, these uh, not-so-do-gooders and there was revealed to be Charles Manson and his uh, cult, also referred to as family. He was able to instruct his family to murder these people. So the tri- when the trial was announced, uh, the media and everyone around the nation was just immediately hooked on it. Soon, even the President of the United States, Richard Nixon, had something to say during the trial. The trial was so insane, it even got to a point where Charles Manson was lunging at the judge. But eventually, but eventually, Charles Manson was eventually sentenced to death. As so, the rest of his insane cult. In order to properly understand the murders, we must first deep dive into the uh, infamous Charles Manson's mind. What sets him apart? Why would he ever feel this way? Why would he ever think the way he thinks? Charles Manson was born No Name Maddox on November 12, 1934. This began a childhood full of alienation, which later led to isolation. Uh, It was reported that the morning Charles Manson was to be freed, um, from a from the final of many many long years in um, first mental institutions and later prisons um, he told them that he did not want to because prison had become his home he did not think he could adjust to the world outside and he was quite right he never did um, in his mid-twenties um, after being released Charles Manson found a group of friends um, or so he called them, that would be so loyal to him that they would carry out all of his wishes. And even then, after having started to reacclimate into the real world, he isolated himself 
along with these followers, um, not in a prison, but in an abandoned area of desert. Um, again, um, we see the clear um, isolation of Manson um, when, before the trials, after having commanded and conducted the murders, Manson told a reporter, um, Reuben, I am not of your world. I've spent all my life in prison. When I was a child, I was an orphan and too ugly to be adopted. Now I'm too beautiful to be set free. This shows how um, Manson blamed the, the alienation of his early life on the reason why he was different. And yet he did not see, see his difference as something to be pitied, but rather he prided himself on it. And he believed that he was somehow better, better now. He was too beautiful to be set free. And um, no one would be able to understand him. Something else that isolated him was his unique views on how the world run, ran. He's, uh, one of his disciples, Paul Watkins, is quoted on saying that he was, in fact, the fifth angel, J.C., and that he would eventually rule the world. His unique viewpoints about how there will be a black-white race war, and that in the end he will become the savior of the world, definitely isolated those who uh, are less insane than him. Push This further pushed him away from society and further encouraged his uh, own weird views, as the more and more he was isolated for in, from society, the more and more and supported his views. Connecting to Thomas, Linda Kasabian, which was a follower of Charles Manson, had fallen under his power and how his words and actions further desired her mentality by saying, when she first saw him, she said, I thought, this is what I've been looking for, and this is what I saw in him, Manson, a mirror which reflected the desires of others. She then, this continues with isolation because she moved him f further by separating him from normality and normal people by saying he is different and showing isolation with him being different. The darkness and cruelty witnessed in the Tate and LaBianca murders were not contained to the killers or even to the courtroom. Instead, the, the darkness um, in, in this case enthralled people, many people in society, and Charles Manson became a figurehead for the inexplicable and the absurd, and many, many people were captivated by it. It's been quoted that an, an accused mass murderer could emerge a counterculture hero seemed inconceivable, but to some, Charles Manson had become a cause. Through this we see he attracted many individuals who were different in our society, and through this, we can see that this crime could have, could have inspired many people and brought out the darkness of people in society. It shows that in our society, people are constantly seeking to explore what they don't understand and seeking out the darkness, perhaps, innately inside of them. Prosecutor Bugliosi um, was quoted saying, What was most frightening, he, he's talking about during the case, what was most frightening was that the family itself was growing. Each time Manson made a courtroom appearance, I spotted new faces among the known family members. It could be presumed that many of the new converts were sensation seekers, drawn like moths to the glare of publicity. 
As Valentina said earlier, um, this again is clearly showing how, um, although many people in society, although everyone in society recognized this as something dark, they were not all repulsed by it. Instead, they, they turned it into an identity for themselves and um, associated themselves with it because they found it intriguing. And um, they were, as Bugliosi said, sensation seekers. And this was that source of sensation. They didn't care where it came from, whether dark or light. At the time, it, uh, it was really, really hard not to know what the heck was happening due to the sheer amount of curiosity. One of the prospective jurors was even quoted as saying, My God, it's the Manson trial. It just goes to show that the more and more, uh, that most likely you know something and that you have an opinion on this and that anger and that uh, fear is definitely able to influence your opinion. So that's why it was so hard to find a prospective to find a juror because everyone was already afraid so it's hard to find someone who wasn't that hysteric now how does this real life crime play into american myths or american identity well the manson murders have desensitized the american public to mass murder and violent crimes like this this would also display how americans choose to determine their opinions and actions based on what they have heard from other people or what they've seen this is also a key factor leading to hysteria, as we saw last year, and as we may very well see in the even of some futuristic global pandemic. We here at Channel 4 are happy to announce that we have the rough draft of the, of the book that the prosecutor of the case, Vincent Boglosi, is writing. We've been able to obtain it from a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who may or may not have ties to the Italian Mafia. Who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows how to bribe his way to anything. Uh, so, we shall be uh, viciously going over the style of his work. Because uh, he's not here. And he's probably not listening to us. Don't sue us. In the first part of the author's rough draft, he talks about the murders, and the author gives a very vivid description of each and every single murder that has occurred. He juxtaposes the facts in the coroner reports with stories of the lives of the victims, and he causes the reader to fully appreciate what has happened and how pitiless and inhumane the killers would have to be in order to have committed those murders. Moving on, in the second section of the drafted novel, From the Killers, through the search of the motive, Bugliosi introduces the suspects and the search for evidence. The effect of this is dramatic irony and suspense. As the reader learns more from the case, they would know more th than what the investigators knew at the time. And even then, the readers think they know what happened, but are the confessors even telling the truth? For the last part, it focuses on the trial. And at this point in the book, all the information is done. There's really not much of a mystery. It's more of a, okay, what the heck is going to happen next? So it focuses more on the experiences of uh, the 
author and prosecutor, Bogoski, as he tries to uh, fight his way against the Manson family and their uh, lawyers. A uh, second um, aspect of style that we've been able to see in Bugliosi's um, drafted novel is a scene running throughout of a shadow monster. And the shadow monster is a term that we've created to represent um, the portrayal of the darkness, of the, the darkness, the dark capabilities of um, mankind. Um, and so um, we see a, an account of Bugliosi's when he says, I then showed um, Sadie, the, one of the killers, the police photograph of Stephen Parent inside the vehicle. The answer, that is the thing I saw in the car. There were audible gasps from the jurors. Question, when you say thing, are you referring to a human being? Answer, yes, human being. The jurors had looked into the heart of Susan Atkins and seen ice. So from this quote, we see that, um, as we knew, the members of the Manson family were completely unperturbed by taking the life of another person. And to the jurors, this meant that Susan Atkins was a shadow monster. She was an example of the very apotheosis of the darkness that the human soul is capable of. Later on in the book, um, the story of the murders themselves are taken out of their former documented context, um, told in, in like a case review. And now the characters and killers are juxtaposed um, literally with normal society um, as they're in the same room as other people with the tribe. Um, there's no more suspense or dramatic irony toward the end of the novel, um, just as there was none left in the trials, but it's still impossible for the jury or the reader, um, just as we felt when we got to witness this case ourselves, to determine how it would be possible for someone to, to do what the killers did and feel, um, feel completely good about it. Um, and so Bugliosi highlights this in his novel that no amount of evidence can explain away this shadow monster. At the end of the day, we rate this draft a three out of five. We don't have, we have no doubt that this will not become a number one true crime bestseller. And now onto uh, News Channel 4's top segment, questions from the listeners. Before we get into the questions from the listeners, a quick word from our sponsor. Fun for you. Fun for me. Fun for everybody. Fun for the whole family. L.A. Mental Institution. Now on to questions from the listeners. Why would someone want to join the Manson family? Anyone? Um, well, I think Charles Manson was really a master of manipulation, and he really, like, took advantage of a lot of his victims and a lot of them came from not so stable homes things like that so he definitely manipulated them and they were all pretty insane to begin with yeah i definitely agree valentina um but the interesting thing was that like a fair a few of his his followers actually did come from what seemed like well-to-do families um, in Southern California, and yet um, he, he was able to quickly take hold over them. And I think part of the reason for that was just the, the general search for, for identity. Um, and people wanted to 
be a part of something. People, people naturally always want to be part of groups. They're, they're looking for someone to associate with. They're looking for um, attention. They want someone, they want to know that, that someone appreciates them. And even if, um, and it, it didn't matter to these people. They were so desperate to find that that they were willing to, to take it anywhere they could get it. And many of them didn't sign up for murder when they first joined Manson. And yet they became so loyal to him that that's what they were willing to do in the end. Because ultimately, Manson's motives were, were selfish. They weren't really focused on those people, but rather that was just a way of getting them to join over to his side. I also want to point out... Uh that all the, these people are very, very young. Not only are they very influential, but uh, kids these days like to join a bunch of hippies, not like the good old parents that like to stay and have a career. Now on to our second question. The way that the story of the Manson murders is told, though realistic, easily seems distance because of its extremity. Is society in any sort of place today that it can now prevent what happened then? To prevent another Manson cult? Well, listeners, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like to some degree, no. It's, it's, it's hard to prevent something that is so extreme. And um, also, um, the same thing could be said because, um, because of, of the, whole, the whole shadow monster idea, in that um, we as citizens should have a, a good deal of, of civic trust between ourselves, and yet, um, in some cases, that, that isn't possible. Um, but it's hard to foresee when that is going to happen, and it's even harder to understand um, when it does. I mean, I don't think parents really want little Manson running around anymore. We gotta prevent that, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I really do agree with your point, Elizabeth. It's kind of hard to prevent things as such as cults happening. It's pretty difficult because, you know, you're very manipulated in those types of situations. So, yeah, definitely agree with your point. Yeah, and yet it's still a good, it's still a good thing to remember to see if there's any possible way to prevent it. Because had, had Manson not experienced such isolation, it may not have grown to such drastic measures. Well, I have a pretty good idea to stop all these hippie cults. Kids these days have way too much free time on their hands. They all need to get a job. A message from our podcast to parents. Be an adult. Don't let your kid be in a cult. Stay groovy. This has been News Channel 4. Thank you for listening.